Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The day prior to the funeral for Queen Elizabeth II, more than 70 years, monarch, Martin Dugard, the author of many books, actually, but New York Times bestselling, The Murder of King Tut, also his memoir, To Be a Runner, which is his own experience in the world of distance running. And um, Mr. Dugard wrote an op-ed, and uh, the headline of it was the uh, how World War II helped Queen Elizabeth grow to be a queen. By the way, his new book is uh, Taking Berlin. That should be out very shortly, if it isn't out already. Martin, thank you very much for joining us. appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, Roy, hey, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I should add that I wrote To Be a Runner, gosh, 13 years ago. Everything since then has been a lot of World War II British-oriented history. So uh, it's nice to be here in London at this time when some crucial things are happening. Yeah, let's talk about that. What, do you, what have you observed, before we talk about the, uh, the op-ed that you wrote, what is your key observation of the last days that you've been in London? You know, it's funny. I, I didn't come here because of the Queen. I came here to research a new book about the Battle of Britain. And I arrived just after the Queen died. And... Um, when they so my wife and I saw the procession when they they you know, brought the uh, the queen into a Westminster Hall, and we weren't going to get in line because it seemed like such a long. They were talking about thirty hours in line to to walk past the queen in state. But uh, Thursday evening, we impulsively jumped in. We had I wouldn't say we had a great time, but it was only seven and a half hours in the queue. We met some great people, uh, and. You know, all that time, you know, your feet hurt, your back hurts. It's just a long time to be standing there. It's getting cold. But the minute you come out of that snake, which is the final little zig of the line before you go into Westminster Hall, um, and then you enter the hall, and it's totally quiet, and the, the lights are up, uh, and you walk past the queen, all that suffering, all that long waiting in line, you know, as if there's a, you know, like an, a long ago music festival. Instead, you, you're, you're overcome with this reverence of the moment, uh, and it's very powerful. You know, I've heard this before from people who were in the line, that also the communication they had with other people in the lineup was, uh, was quite incredible. And the, the emotional um, feelings, just the re- emotional response to actually being there uh, was, was overwhelming for them. Now, your op-ed which I found very interesting to read, how World War II helped Elizabeth grow to be a queen. You begin with September 13, 1940, and a bombing of London. That sets the stage for the engagement of then-Princess Elizabeth. Martin, what happened that day, and what you write about, and what was it about that bombing of London that was so significant that day? Well, it's interesting because, you know, Adolf Hitler had a death warrant for George VI, who was Elizabeth's father. He was the king of England at the time. He refused to leave Buckingham Palace, which is, is if you know London, it's right in the heart of central London, uh, originally purchased by George III, you know, almost two centuries ago. Uh, but it has been the royal seat for all this time. And so a German Hunkel bomber came through it, came through a t- treetop level, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning, dropped five bombs on Buckingham Palace, um, the Germans had attempted, you know, the pilots, there was kind of a wager going around to be the first pilot to actually bomb the palace. And this guy was the first person to actually drop five bombs right on the palace. And, you know, the king was stunned, and his wife, also named Elizabeth, 
was done. She would later become the queen mother. Um, and the thing about it was Elizabeth, who the Elizabeth who became the queen, had been sent to the countryside to live at, live at Windsor Castle, which is 23 miles away. So she wasn't a part of that. But what happened was the people of London were so galvanized by George VI um, being the kind of person who didn't run from a fight, who stayed in central London when he knew he was a target, um, that there was a huge morale boost, even in the middle of nonstop German bombing day and night of London. So he reached out to his daughter, who was you know, literally just becoming a teenager at that time, and asked her to help that morale boost by addressing the children of Great Britain. Uh, on a radio address on the BBC on October 18th, which is just over a little bit a month later. Um, and she did a fantastic job. I mean, she went from being a child who was secluded in the countryside to somebody who was addressing an entire nation, and she crushed it. And from that point on, her responsibilities and her, uh, and her confidence and her uh, her sense of leadership that, that she knew that she would one day take the crown. She kind of grew into the role during World War II. Yeah, that was a precursor of who she was to become. She also enlisted in the Territorial Auxiliary Services. I like how you wrote about that, and many of us uh, who grew up with the Queen as a significant part of our lives are aware. But uh, you write about how she joined the Territorial Auxiliary Service, the women's branch of the British Army, and she wasn't treated like a princess. Well, she, she didn't expect it either. No, I mean, other than the fact that she was let she was allowed to go home at night to sleep at Windsor Castle. She was treated pretty much the same as everybody else, and she loved it because you know, she had very specific, what we call blue-collar responsibilities right now. She learned how to literally take apart an engine and put it back together again. She learned how to change a tire. She drove ambulances You know, at the, the last year of the war. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. You don't think of a queen, a future queen, doing things like that. And Throughout the rest of her life, like you said, as people who follow her know, she had an affection for, for Land Rovers, and she was able to not only just be her own driver, but she knew how to fix them. She could diagnose problems, and she reveled in that. And, and like I say in the op-ed piece, the last day of the war, you know, VE Day, she kicked up her heels. She, you know, she, what she did was she kept her uniform on. She pulled her cap down low, and she went out and partied in London all night long without people knowing that it was the queen, the future queen, who was partying. And even in 1986, when she was later interviewed about that, she was still, in, you know, kind of on a little bit of a high about something she had done over four decades earlier. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 